Hi, this is Laura with Kick-Ass in Life, where I help you get hired fast, be smart with money, and be a happier and healthier you. Happy March. It is spring. It's here. It may not feel like it if you're in places such as, as New York. It's still a little bit chilly outside, but hopefully we are getting over, over the cold winter and into brighter, happier spring. And I don't want you to forget, I released an ebook called Kick-Ass in Your Career. You can find it on Amazon now. It's only $4.99, it's such a deal. I really put everything in there that I thought you needed to know about how to stand apart in the job search, how to get hired fast, and then how to negotiate your salary. A lot of great tips in there, but when you get your salary, what's next? That's where today's episode comes in. It is about money. It's all about money. And thinking about money brings stress. We just have all these feelings surrounding money. Plus, if you think about retirement, which you know it's a thing that you should start saving for, but it feels really far away, it just also brings all of these feelings of anxiety. And it's easy to put on the back burner and it's easy to not prioritize money when it seems kind of convoluted, it seems confusing when all of these acronyms are used to describe it and they're unsexy words such as budget and retirement and all of these things. And But it really doesn't have to be complicated once you understand it. Once we understand how money works, you can understand the power of it and how it can really work for you. I'm talking with Ashley Feinstein Gersley of The Fiscal Femme, who's working on how to demystify money. She just released her book, The 30-Day Money Cleanse, and she has so much to share about money, including how to break our bad habits about money and create great new ones. Ashley's perspective is it's not about sacrificing anything. It's about creating money goals and living a fab life now. I love that. When we take care of ourselves financially, we get to have and experience what we want in life. That's the whole point of having money. So it's it's actually a tremendous act of self-love to take care of our finances. And so I think that's a really important reframe when we realize it's a gift to ourselves. Ashley and I talk about the importance of getting started early, how to create money routines, how to think about a budget as happiness allocations, how to address our feelings of stress and anxiety about money, and how to do a money cleanse. Let's do it. So give me a quick intro of what the Fiscal Femme's purpose is, why you started it, what it is. Yes. So the Fiscal Femme, our mission is to get women wealthy. And so I'm out there doing that one woman at a time. And it started because I needed it myself, really. (laughs) I studied finance and worked in finance, but still knew nothing about my own money. And so I started on this journey because I needed it myself and trying to figure it out. And I realized that If I didn't know anything about money and I had all this finance background, then who did? And really, I found out that not many people did. (laughs) And why is it important to know about money and learn about it, especially early on in your career? So coming from someone who has made mistakes in probably every area of their personal finances, um, we can avoid a lot of those mistakes which is which can cause a lot of stress and for us and not just us but our roommates and friends and family um, and then also just the earlier we start the more impact the money we do have can make so compound interest is it's been called the eighth wonder of the world and it sounds boring just in its name kind of like a, a financial term but it's the idea that our earnings grow earnings and it can build momentum and be exponential. So the earlier we start, the more time we give that money, the chance to earn for us and work for us. And 
we work really hard for our money. So we want our money to be working for us back. That is so true. And I think it's so important, especially even if you don't have that much money when you when you first get started and you look at your paycheck and you're trying to figure out, well, how are you possibly going to do anything with this this money? I think reframing and realizing that any any amount you do have can help create these good habits of of saving and investing. Yes. I, I love that you said that because I was thinking the exact same thing that we, I think sometimes it's really daunting when we look at a big goal like retiring or investing and, and it can be feel so far from where we are, but what we want to do is build the habits because we, we might not be able to see how we can go from saving $5 to thousands of dollars, but it will happen. It can snowball, um, but we want to build the habit and build that muscle to get it going now. So when you first get your, your like one of your first paychecks when you, you first start working, what are some of the, the top things that you should start thinking about when it comes to, yeah, saving, investing, et cetera? Where do you start? So I would start by paying yourself first. And I think one thing that I experienced and I know a lot of people that I work with experience is that we think, oh, we're, you know, we're starting our career. We're not earning enough to save money. And then we have our expenses kind of fill up all our bank account. We, so how we traditionally save money is we earn money and then we live our life, pay our bills, prioritize paying everyone else first. And then we hope and see if there's something left over for us to save and there never is. And then what happens is we think, oh, as soon as I earn more, I'll finally start saving. And then we earn more, get get a raise, get a promotion, and then we still aren't saving. So I would say build that habit right from the beginning. As soon as a paycheck hits, even if it's $5, transfer over $5 to our own savings so that we're paying ourselves first. Yeah, I think that's so smart. The advice that I was always given was to start saving as much as you can until it's uncomfortable and then maybe save a little bit more, but just sort of building up slowly until you get to the point where you are are sort of saving as much as you're you're able to in that moment. Amazing. Yes. So I think money is a very like stressful thing for a lot of people. And I think that that's why a lot of people don't address it. Um, but how do you manage sort of the stress that you found around money? Some of those maybe mistakes that you um, had learned from, what, what are some ways to deal with that sort of anxiety about money? Yes. So there's so much anxiety about money. In the Stress in America survey, the last 10 out of 11 years, money was the number one stressor for Americans. And this past year, it was beat out by um, the state of our nation. But otherwise, it's our number one stressor. And there are a lot of reasons for that. The first is we don't really learn about money. And hopefully that's changing, but it's something we have to deal with almost every single day that we don't learn about um, we, we can't talk about it because it's taboo. So we, we feel very alone, like we're, we're the only ones struggling with it. And it's really emotionally charged. Um, we often equate it with how we're doing as a human and what our happiness. And like you mentioned, it causes a lot of stress. So I think another word you used earlier is reframe. And I think our mindset is really important around money because often it's viewed as, as this thing we want to avoid and that we just have to deal with. Um, but when we actually realize that when we take care of ourselves financially, we get to have an experience what we want in life. That's the whole point of having money. So it's, it's actually a tremendous act of self-love to take care of our finances. And so I think that's a really important reframe when we realize it's a gift to ourselves. And then I think just starting small and taking action, um, 
whether and building this those habits little by little it doesn't have to be all or nothing um, it doesn't have to be hard it doesn't have to be something that we avoid but just taking those small actions can make a huge difference yeah and I think that's so helpful to to realize that you know be patient with yourself as you're learning and growing and and because it's it can be complicated, but like you said, if you start small, you can incrementally make progress over time. And, and that could be something as simple as, oh, I'm going to like read this one book or I'm going to like listen to a podcast or maybe in this, I'm going to start, start a conversation with my friend about what, what they save for, um, I think can be really helpful. Yes. And something you mentioned is viewing it as something you can get better at. And that's another mindset shift that I think is really important. We you'll hear, oh, I'm just bad with money, or this is never something I thought I could handle. And when we believe that our, our abilities with money are fixed, we're going to be really upset when we make mistakes, because that just shows we're bad at money. But the truth is, we can improve, we can get better, it's a journey for sure. So um, having that growth mindset where we believe our abilities can improve makes it a lot easier when we have a mistake or make a misstep, because it just is something we can learn from. Yeah, well said. And I think something that a lot of people experience when they first graduate is they have a lot of debt. They went to school, uh, they they took out loans. How do you how do you manage that debt? Um, either student loan debt, and then we can maybe talk credit card debt. Or how do you, how do you look at that um, in terms of how how you're paying it down? How do you manage that? So. One thing to, before we do anything with our debt, it's really important to address all the shame that comes with it. And I think debt is just something that we bought that we owe money for. So it doesn't mean we're bad. It's not bad. And I think we really put a lot of negative emotion on our debt and that can have us not want to pay attention to it or make it really difficult to deal with. So kind of along the same lines that we're really not set up for success when it comes to our money, that the it's depressing, but it's also very liberating because it allows us to have forgiveness for ourselves and have some compassion for where we are. And I think the same goes for our debt. In a lot of cases, that was a conscious choice to pay for an education. And, and in other cases, it was, you know, something anyone in that same position would have racked up the same amount of credit card debt. So this idea of forgiveness and letting go of that shame before we move forward is really important. That's cool. And there's also like a, a couple of different philosophies when it comes to paying down debt. And, you know, there's the, uh, you probably know this more than I do, but like <laughs> the snowball versus the the other way. So it's like either you're paying down your, your smallest debts first. So you start to get a, um, you know, you start to get incrementally more confident with how you're able to pay down that debt. And then, um, then you start taking on the larger debt versus the other way is where t- you take on the debt with the highest interest first. Um, yes. and I think you kind of have to maybe figure out what works best for you. Um, you know, one's more of like a mindset shift and it kind of like tricks your brain into, um, to feeling good <laughs> about paying down that debt. So you keep going with it as opposed to, Oh my gosh, I have this huge, huge thing to pay off. I'll never get there. And, and putting it off. Um, curious your yes. thoughts on, on either of those methods or if you have any others. Yes. So actually on my, this is very random, but on my Instagram highlights, there's a payoff deck, debt section. And so what I go through is first talking about taking inventory, but because often we don't even know what we have. So it's listing out all the pieces of debt, the balances, um, the interest rate, the payment date, the minimum payment. Um, and if it's a credit card, also the limit could be helpful to have there. And then we want to prioritize what we're going to pay off first. And so at 
you mentioned two of the methods. I actually look at three different methods and you can pick one and stick with it. You can do a combination of the three, but the first is the snowball method. So you're paying the smallest amounts of, so the debt with the smallest balances first and regardless of the interest rate. And why this works is it feels really good to cross something off your list or pay it down. And that really builds momentum. So even though technically the highest interest rate debt is costing us the most money, we often pay it off faster because we build this momentum and feel really good. Um, And then the interest rate method is the method where you pay the debt with the highest interest rate first and regardless of the size. And then I actually added a method because I found through people in my money cleanse and people that I've worked with that sometimes we have a piece of debt that might be a debt to a family member or with a bank that we've had a horrible experience with that just causes us so much more distress than the other pieces. And so even if that isn't the smallest or the highest interest rate, we might put that higher up on the list just so we can get that really emotionally distressful debt out of the picture. That's so good. And then what you do with that is you pay the minimums on all the pieces of debt except for the number one priority. And anything extra that you're putting towards goes to that number one priority until it's gone. And then you move on to the number two priority and all the way down. Oh, that's so good. I love that. I think that's going to help a lot of people. Um, and when it comes to what, – what's your opinion on budget? So do you do you recommend keeping a budget? Do you keep a budget? Uh if you're just getting started when you're thinking about money, trying to allocate your paycheck to the different areas of your life, how do you budget or how do you think about one? So great question. I so I hate the word budget itself. It's a terrible um, word. We need a sec if a it was like a sexy word, all of these finance terms need need a sexier words so people actually maybe find them more interesting to to learn more about. Yes, 100%. So I've actually renamed most things. And what I found is the language we use is so important because it's how we, like when I hear the word budget, I physically cringe, like curl over, and I feel like my expenses are being pried from my hands. And that is not, that's very restrictive and restriction doesn't work. There are very few people that are able to keep a very restrictive diet, a very restrictive budget, and we end up rebelling against that. And I believe food and money are actually really similar. Um, So But I agree we need a plan, and I have renamed budgets happiness allocations because I I think it's – yeah, it feels so much better. And it's a much more fitting term, actually, because all it is is how we're going to allocate our money in the way that's going to make us the happiest in the short and long term. So we have a pie of money at any given point in time, and how are we going to allocate that? And I actually find it's the opposite of restricting because – when we have no plan, if I go out and do something fun, I probably will feel guilty because I don't know if I'm able to afford to do that and also meet my goals. So by having a plan, we actually get a lot more clarity and a lot more joy and it makes decision making much easier. So I definitely do keep a happiness allocation um, and it's something that I do with every single person that works with me. I think that's really super. I I remember one of my... Um the pieces of advice my brother gave me was to, he, I think, followed this jars of wealth philosophy, which, um, you know, he kept different budgets for, uh, or different allocations toward different things. So one for education, one for travel, one for his gym membership, or, you know, whatever it might be. And everyone has their different breakdowns of what makes them happy. Um, but I think actually, I think what you say is really important is the, that to see that money and to know that you have it to spend on that item, I think is helpful because, um, 
I'm super frugal and I may uh, not want to spend money on things, even though I have the money to do it because I'm not dividing it in that way. Yes. And it, it'll, right, you need permission to, and I think that's also why a lot of the resources out there don't work for the younger generation because it's not one size fits all. So a lot of the books you'll read say put 10% here, 40% here. And it's like, well, actually I really value travel and I'd rather spend more on travel and cook my lunch every day or live in a smaller apartment so I can travel more or pay more for my apartment and we'll stay home more often. So I think it's very much about what we value and that looks different for each of us. And that's how we can have our lifestyle feel more meaningful is aligning where our money is going with what we value or what's important to us. Well said. So talk to me about this 30-day money cleanse. Um, I think this is such a, re- a really cool idea, but talk to me about the where this started and what it, what, what it is and what's, what's it, what purpose is it solving? Yes. Okay. So the 30-day money cleanse, it actually started out as a course and still exists as a course. And I created it and in January came out as my first book. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, but the reason I created it, so when I was working with clients, so how it all started, I was on my own money journey I it, and what I was adapting. So I was reading these things and adapting them to work for me and it was really helping and I was feeling so much power and freedom from it that I wanted to share it. And so I started writing on a blog called The Fiscal Femme, which was at first very terrifying. And then people started asking me for help and other sites asked me to write for them and I got certified as a coach because I found we're definitely missing education around money, but the numbers themselves were quite simple. And it was more the emotional behavioral sides of it that were really tripping us up once we were educated. And when I was working with people, I was noticing a lot of the same complaints, regardless of our income. Um, We're struggling with a lot of the same things. And I do believe food and money are very similar. And so I structured it much like a juice cleanse, but a much more sustainable um, long-term lifestyle and incorporated all those trends that I was seeing in my clients. And so how the money cleanse works is the whole point of it is creating our happiness allocation and really aligning our spending with what's important to us. And we get to define it. Um, But that has us saving so much more for our goals while also getting to live this fabulous life now. Because I think we often believe that if we're saving money, we're going to be sitting home eating ramen alone and sad. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it does not have to be that way. So um, so it's, a four, it's over the course of four weeks, five classes, and the book is, I'm so in love with it. It's beautifully designed and it has a workbook format and takes you through all of the steps to put together that happiness allocation and just uncover what spending is valuable to you. And then when you realize what spending is not valuable, it's easy to let that go. Yeah. And I think that doing anything is better than, than doing nothing. And I think that this probably lays it out in a very easily achievable way so that beyond that 30 days, your life changes a little bit and whether or not you know, in, in ways probably big and small. So like it might be, okay, well, I'm going to think twice before I get that latte or that latte is super critical to me. So I want to make sure it's in my uh, happiness allocations. I think that's super smart. Yes, exactly. And that the cool part is a lot of the stuff we lay out and take honest looks at is then we get to make the choice. Is it worth it to me? And it, it people make different, completely opposite decisions all the time. And that's the the beauty of it. And the results have been, so 
just to get people excited about the results. So the reason we turned it into a book is because the average person in the course was saving $950 during the 30 days. And because it's a new lifestyle that it's not like you're losing all this weight and then gain it right back. So it's, they're saving a large portion of that going forward and are not feeling deprived. And then the biggest things I believe are just feeling confident and peace of mind and not stressed and not shameful and not guilty around your spending. Cause those are, I, I think the most common thing I hear, well, I hear two really common things. So one is I'm like killing it in every area of my life, but I cannot seem to figure this money stuff out. Like I'm doing, having great career relationships, friends, but what is going on with the side of my life? And then the other thing I hear most often is Ashley, I'm not, I'm not going on shopping sprees or these luxurious vacations but I have no money left over to save at the end of the month. Like where is all my money going? So yeah. the course is created to answer those questions. That's great. Well, and congratulations on the book. I think that's so great. I think it'll really help a lot of people as they go on their own money journeys and realize that these money doesn't have to be hard. I think that I am happy that you've renamed a lot of these terms because they are not sexy. They're not fun. And we don't listening to them. Um, you know, it's like we would rather do anything than pay attention to words like budget and compound interest. But, um, but you do a really great job of explaining the power behind those things, which I think is so helpful. Thank you. Yeah. I think that there's so much motivation also just behind the mission of getting women wealthy when we, have a nice savings buffer. We can negotiate harder to be paid fairly. We can leave people and jobs where we're not being treated the way we'd like. Um, We can take risks in our careers and take on like the higher profile projects and the stretch projects that will get us on promoted and more women on board. So I think it's women do incredible things with their wealth. And um, so we got to make it happen. Yeah. Amazing. Um, So what's next for you? How are you kicking ass? Um, every day and what are some of your goals for the future? So this year I'm very excited. I'm actually going to be launching more courses. So my goal is to have almost like a choose your own adventure uh, money school where people can take a course on retirement, investing, paying down debt, buying a house so that they're able to get that information um, in a fun and accessible way to meet their financial goals. Oh, cool. I'm excited. I'm excited to learn more. And, and what are you reading, listening to consuming? Are there any books or podcasts that you'd recommend for a deeper dive beyond your own, the 30 day money cleanse? Um, are there any others? Definitely. (laughs) Um, so, so many good ones. Um, I actually, I'll send you a list Someone recently asked me for my favorite money podcast, and I, I sent a list. So I can definitely give you that for the show notes. Um, someone recently recommended a book that I hadn't yet read read about money called The Soul of Money. So I just purchased that, and I'm excited to Oh, in. I love that one. Actually, I think one of the themes that they talk about is how money is kind of like water. And I really like that analogy. Like You want it to be like flowing throughout your life. And you don't want it to be stagnant because if it's stagnant, it kind of, you know, create, the flies come to it. It's murky. Um, but mm. thinking about that analogy was is kind of just helpful in my life to try to think about how you can keep the money flowing both both in and out so it's not um, 
yeah, it's not stagnant. So, but it, read that and uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. Amazing. Yeah, that's a very visual image, the flies coming to your money. <laughs> <laughs> um, great. Well, tell us how we can find you. So you can find me on pretty much all social at the Fiscal Femme. T-H-E-F-I-S-C-A-L-F-E-M-M-E and then at thefiscalfem.com. And I'm I'd love to share. I have an amazing um 48-hour guide. So it's essentially a way to get your finances in order over the weekend. Just oh, jump in and get it done. Um so I'm happy to share that too with everyone. Oh great. Well, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you so much to Ashley for all of her great advice, and thanks to you for giving this a listen. So here are today's top takeaways. Please get out a pen, get your notes app out on your phone so you can have some really great takeaways for today's episode. Here are these quick tips. First, start small and start early. Ashley talked about the power of compound interest. This is it the eighth wonder of the world. I think that is so cool to really think about the power of your earnings, creating earnings and making your money really work for you because we work hard for our money. So it should work just as hard for us. And that's what's so great because what's in your power is time. You're getting started early in this. So what you have is that power of time. And I'm so proud that you're really prioritizing um, how to think about money now, which will just propel you to greatness in the future. Secondly, Reframe the emotion and stress around money. So money is stressful. We have all these feelings about it. It's a thing that we really want to avoid and not have to deal with. However, if we create habits, money is just like a muscle. So flexing those good money habits through small actions can make a huge difference. So $5 per day can lead to $1,000 over the course of time, and that can lead to more and more and more. So just creating those small money habits, flexing those muscles to pay huge dividends over the course of time. This one was really great. I really liked how Ashley was not calling a budget a budget. She was creating happiness allocations. How fun is that? I would much prefer to prioritize different happiness allocations like trips or education or nights out with friends, as opposed to creating a budget. Budget's not sexy. Let's think about happiness allocations and aligning our spending for what's important to us. Lastly, create those money goals because you don't have to sacrifice. You're just prioritizing what's important for you to spend money on. And you're so capable of living a fab life now. So once you learn this, start flexing your muscles, start doing some small actions to really pay huge dividends, you will have a fab life and you won't have to worry about feeling guilty about spending money because you'll know you've already have it allocated in your happiness allocation. That's it for today. Thank you for giving this a listen. As always, if you like this, please recommend it, rate it, review it, share it. It helps others find it. It is everywhere podcasts are now also on Spotify. So get it, get it where you like it. Um, and if you want a deeper dive, please visit my site, kickassin.life. That's, yes, that's a URL. My Instagram is kickassin.life. I put a lot of great tips, actionable information on there on a daily basis. So I'd love you to connect with me there or email me kickassinyourlife at gmail.com. I do this for you. I want to help you. So let me know how I can do that. So go kick ass with your money. Until next time.